Okay, so we'll do a little bit of a little bit of Parsha's bow, a little bit of Parsha's Bishalach. So let's start in Parsha's bow on page twenty, Chaf, Lo Ra'u. About six, seven pieces into the Parsha. They're short pieces, so. Is your page numbering the same or different? Different. That's going to be an interesting challenge. Okay, low row. All right. Shamlech. So the Torah says that by Makas Choshech, again, this is this past Shabbos, this is Parsha. We had Arba Choshech, Makas Bechoros. So in Parsha's bow, it says, Lorau Vachulu. It's Paragyod Pasach of Gimel. That the Egyptians, they couldn't, they couldn't see, they couldn't stand. And then the Torah tells us, oh, and by the way, But for all of B'nai Yisrael, there was light in their dwelling places. So our Rebbe wants to know, asks the Agar the Kala, the word Haya is extra. In other words, it could have said, what do you mean, there was light? What do you mean the word Haya? There was light in their dwelling places. Every letter, every word of the Torah is significant. And more than that, why not just say B'nai Yisrael had light? Why do you need to say B'nai Yisrael had light in their, in their dwelling places? Gam tevas They had light in their places where they lived. What's that coming to teach us? Okay, so two kashas. Question one, you could ask, why do you need the word Haya? You could just say, or Or another way to ask it is, why do you even need to say, just say, had light while the Egyptians had dark? Obviously, the, the Jews had light wherever they were, in their houses, in their dwelling places. What's, what does that add? Here, Moshe, you want to borrow a copy for the time being? Okay, we'll see who. Uh, Vahanira on page Chaf. Vahanira de Mashmianu Tevas Haya. The Mashmaus, the implication of the word Haya. Yeah? Should repeat the second question? Yeah, the second question is why do you have to say they had light in their dwelling places? Just say B'nai Israel had light. I'd say in their, in their Moshvosam, in their houses, in their dwelling places. I mean, they had light. The Egyptians were in the dark, the Jews were in the light, period. So he tells us something which I think we can actually take a very practical lesson from. He says again, "Vahanira demashmi anu tevas haya mashma shenishavalhem ur chadash biyaser seis meaur hativi." It comes to teach us that the Jewish people haya or there was a new light, not a regular light. It wasn't just the Egyptians were in the. I mean, the dark was certainly not regular. No, we know about this dark. Usually, dark's not thick. They couldn't move. They couldn't get up from their seats. Right? Frozen in place. So the implication of the word Haya is that what? That it was an Ur Chadash B'yeser Se'es with greater strength Meha'ur HaTivi from a natural light. It wasn't a regular light. This was Haya. There was, right? Haya is almost like a Havaya, like a new creation of light. A new reality of light. Dine Teva Habriya Lios B'chol Makom Or. Listen to this. Because the nature of the world is that every place has light. It's a strange idea that there's... It's a very strange idea. One house is complete darkness, and the other house there's light. How, how does that work? Again, obviously, you can close the tree sim on the, you know, 
on the windows. But I'm saying under normal circumstances, what is that? Right, there's a spot outside that's light and the spot next to it that's dark. Well, what does that look like? The nature of the world is that the light is b'chol makom, is in every place. And when Hashem decreed that the place where the Egyptians were, where it should have been naturally light, was made dark, it was as if the light that was, again, under normal circumstances, should have been in that place, was pushed out of that place. Interesting. Hashem almost like took that light that was by the Egyptians, and what did he do with it? He pushed it, he pushed it out of their place. So says the Rebbe, so where did that light go? Halach, top of page Chafalif, Halach Lumakum Yisrael. It was almost like the light that was by the Jewish people. It wasn't just, oh, the Egyptians were in the dark and the Jews had their regular light. No, no, no. The light that would have been present by the Egyptians was doubled over, was given to the Jews. So the Jews were experiencing this influx of light. There was this new light. Right? Different than a regular light. It wasn't just, oh, it was normal for us and really dark for them. Yisrael. It went to the place where the Jews were. And it added to the regular light that was in their place, the natural light that was in their place. And therefore the Jews had the light with greater strength, with greater substance. And that's why it says, There was this new light, a new light, an orb The light that should have been dwelling by the Egyptians was now relocated to the Jews. However, what's the vart? What's the lesson in this? It's, it's just it's cool to think about how Hashem runs the Makos. It's interesting. There's an important lesson here. There's a very important lesson here. I'll, I'll, I'll explain this for a second based on a mission Perkeavos. In Perkeavos, it says that from Noah to Avram, there were how many generations? Ten generations. And the mission says in Perkeavos that from Noah to Avram, there were ten generations. And with each passing generation, the world was angering HaKadosh Baruch Hu. With each passing generation, Hashem was getting more and more frustrated, in quotations, so to speak. Ad Sheba Avram Avinu, until Avram came along, listen to the last couple of words, Vikibel Schar Kulam. Vikibel Schar Kulam. And Avram got the reward of all of them. What does that mean? It means that when you, when someone passes up an opportunity, someone else can pick it up. There were things that were supposed to happen between the generation of Noah and Avram. And each generation, each person was not taking advantage of the, the gift of existence that was given to him. Until someone came along and won the jackpot. His name was Avram Avinu. He collected, he cleaned up, he took everyone's star. Ten generations of star. From Noah to Avram. That's how the Svarma Kadoshim right? It doesn't just say that Hashem was frustrated and then Avram came along and Avram was a good guy. Avram came, he cleaned up, he took all that potential that was not taken by all those early generations, Avram said, I'll take all of it. And that's how he became this, he was like a huge, I was like bigger than one, he's not like one person. I was like generations of people. Yeah, because he came along and said, if you don't want your chilek in, in Torah, if you don't want your chilek in Avodah, if you don't want your connection to God, I'll take it. 
And Avram took it all. He gathered it all. They say, I once read in a footnote, in the Sefer Or Gedaliah, or Gedaliah Shur, he said that Rabbi Akiva Eger, Rabbi Akiva Eger, the great goner, Rabbi Akiva Eger, Zechot Tzadik Levracha, became so outstanding because he was living, again, whatever this means, he was living in a time where a lot of people were rejecting traditional Judaism. So Rabbi Akiva Eger was like, I'll take all your portions. <laughs> I'll take everything. And he became, he became this like super-duper genius of, of Torah. Because everyone else said, I don't want my chalik in Torah. He's like, I'll take it. Right? Again, I don't know what that means on a metaphysical level. But that's the idea here. That's, that's the takeaway lesson here. Right? When the Egyptians rejected their light, because that's really what this is about, choshech means they were rejecting the light, which is you know, a muscle for Hashem, the or ein sof. So Klai Yisrael said, we'll take, we'll take your light. We'll take your chalik. Egyptians could have had a relationship with God. They don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be Jewish to have a relationship with Hashem. But you don't want it. So, the Jews got an extra portion of light. It entered into their lives. A doubling, a doubling of the light. They took their regular chalik plus the portion of the Egyptians. That's an, important, that's an important rule in life. When you find yourself in a situation where some people are not taking advantage of the opportunity... Right? Not that we want to steal anyone else's chilek in Torah, God forbid. But if someone doesn't want their portion in the relationship with Hashem, there's a certain energy in the world, and whoever you know, <clears throat> whoever wants it can take it. The Rambam says in Hilchos Talmud Torah mm-hmm. that the Torah, the Torah is so to speak like a scroll rolled up in the corner. Kol Whoever wants it, come and get it. First come, first serve. So if we if we take ourselves seriously, we take Hashem seriously, we take our Torah seriously. And we live in a world <clears throat> where some people, unfortunately, are moving in the opposite direction. It's a unique opportunity to collect. We can, we can gather a lot of light. That's, that, to me, that's the lesson in this, in this var. Not just, wow, it's interesting that it was you know, extra bright in the homes of the Jews. Okay? Yaakov, you had a kasha? Yeah, just, I'm a little confused on how to apply it to like, our lives. So if you find yourself in a situation... If you find yourself in a situation <clears throat> where, I don't know, where, where there's an opportunity to connect to Hashem and other people in the room are not. So when you do, it counts more. When you're choosing it, when other people are not choosing it, it counts more. Right? In terms of schar, we're living in the best generation. A very important insight. In terms of spiritual levels, we believe in you read the Sadoros. Right? In other words, every generation farther away from our Sinai is a step down. But in terms of schar, actually... The tzaddikim tell us it's the best generation because we're living in the greatest Hester Panim, the greatest divine concealment, 2,000 years of exile. You still believe? You still do a mitzvah? Wow, I'm super impressed. Yeah, but my mitzvah, my learning's not like the earlier generations. I'm cracking my teeth on a Mishnah. My great-grandfather knew Shas forwards and backwards. Okay. Hashem says, that's not, okay, fine. But Hashem says, but, but there's a lot more reason for you to throw it all away in our, in our world today. And you still choose it, so you get extra credit. The only reason we want Mashiach, the tzaddikim say, we want Mashiach because, I'll say it what I always say, it, it pains us when we see a mosque on top of Kodesh Kodesh. It pains us that Hashem doesn't have a voice in the world. I want Mashiach for Hashem. It pains me that, that low lane of Jews, are, Jews are, have a lot of enemies in the world. So for all those reasons, the suffering of Kalah Yisrael, the suffering of the Shechina, whatever that idea is, I want Mashiach. In terms of my own ability to score points and to run up, a, you know, to run up my scorecard in Shemaya, we're living in an incredible door. Everything counts a lot. Everything counts a, a lot.
That's what the Arizal told his student, Rav Chaim Vital, 500 years ago. He said, our avoda is on the level of the Tanoim and Amoraim. So Rav Chaim Vital said, Rebbe, what are you talking about? I mean, we're great, but we're not. We don't consider ourselves to be like Tanoim and Amoraim. He said, no, no, in accordance with the challenges of our generation, if we were to like prorate it, you know, grade on a curve, we're on that level. So imagine, imagine in this period in which we're living now, imagine how much we get just for getting out of bed in the morning and putting our tefillin on. Right? Don't be mazals of that. It's a chashif thing. If the world's not interested in it, we can, we can scoop up that light. Yeah, Moshe, you wanted to say something. <coughs> Haskalah, yeah, a lot of... <coughs> Yeah. Can you remind me of this question closer to Purim? Okay. And we'll learn we'll learn a Torah from Lubavitcher Rebbe maybe on it. It's a good kasha. It's a good kasha. In some ways, this is the hardest generation because we don't see open miracles and we don't have prophets and we don't. In other ways, right? So in some ways, it's the hardest generation. In some ways, it's the easiest generation. It's so easy. I have to like crack the ice to go to the mikvah and communist Russia. Like, I don't know. We have like uh, six kosher restaurants on this block. I'm saying like we have this. Just it's like a lot of access to Torah and mitzvahs if you want. Right? How many millions of hours of shiurim available online? You can learn any topic from from anyone. Like, there's just it's not like so hard, you know. So that strange paradox is is worth talking about. But uh, it would take some time to go into it. But it's a good kasha. It's a good kasha. In some ways, in some ways we have it very easy today. In some ways, on a certain spiritual level, it's a hard, very strong today. It's a good kasha. Yeah. What did we say about like, dwelling places? Because they have the Oh, the dwelling places. Yeah. So the last two lines, it's a little hard to see exactly what he says. He says again. He says, "V'zeru sha'amar l'chol b'nei Yisrael haya mechadash ur b'moshosam." It was a new haya again. The, the answer to his question: Why the word haya? Haya again means like a new, a new creation, a havaya, right? Almost like the name of Hashem a little bit. Haya. There was a new light, a mechadash, a new light in the dwelling places. Ratzal lomar im hamoshavos shamitzrayim shaur nishave meamoshavos shamitzrayim. In other words, bemoshavosam means almost like from their dwelling places. Right? It wasn't just that it was in the Jewish dwelling place, but it was almost like the light that was supposed to be by them right, was now transported to us. I think that's what he's saying. Meha Moshe Vos Right? The light that under normal circumstances should have been by them. Again, Hashem says, I want, to, I want everyone to have light. I want everyone to bask in my light. Again, a Jew and an Egyptian obviously are different. Right? But everyone can have a relationship with Hashem. But if you reject that, Someone else can get that. Hashem was teaching that lesson to Klai, so on their, uh, on their way out of Mitzvah. Very interesting. All right, Chavah, let's jump ahead a couple of pieces. Let's go to Va'avarti Be'aretz Mitzrayim Belay Lazet. on page Chaf Be'ez. Va'avarti Be'aretz Mitzrayim Belay Lazet. So it says that Hashem passed through Mitzrayim on that night. Va'avarti Be'aretz Mitzrayim. Ben, you want to borrow this copy for now? One extra. And hopefully we'll order some more. Mirza Hashem. Okay, va'avarti be'aretz time. 
Balayla Hazashem passed through Egypt on that night. Perik Yudbez, Pasik Yudbez. So here's the Kasha. Here's the Kasha. Funny question, but it's a deep question. Hashem passed through Mitzrayim. Hold on a second. When Moshe wanted to talk to Hashem, we know there were times where Moshe said, I gotta step, I gotta step out of the, the filth of Mitzrayim just to communicate with God. You're telling me Hashem Bichvodu of Atzmo? There's a halacha. A Jew can't go into a church. There's places a Jew can't go. There's other forbidden places that a Jew can't go. Right? There's places a Jew can't go. So you're telling me Hashem himself came into Mitzrayim? I'm like embarrassed to read the Bible. I'm embarrassed for God. I would never get caught dead in you know such a place. I mean, I was the Jews were held captivity there. When we leave Mitzrayim, you know how many times the Torah tells us not to go back to Mitzrayim? Three different psukim in the Chumash present a prohibition of returning to Mitzrayim. So you tell me Hashem came to Mitzrayim. The Medrash tells us that Hashem wouldn't even talk, wouldn't even communicate directly with Moshe Rabbeinu in Mitzrayim. We'd be embarrassed if we caught Hashem like coming out of its time, be like, "What are you doing in there?" Right? Like, like catching uh, Rosh Hashiva, like walking out of church on a Sunday. Like, what? What? Where are you coming? What? What are you doing in there? Very strange. And Hashem appeared in Mitzrayim. Vavarti, I passed through Mitzrayim, went through Mitzrayim. What does that mean? So Ravi says a very creative way. We saw in the first semester, I don't remember exactly what the context was, but he introduced us, and he, it's a theme he has in a, a bunch of places, the concept, the very delicate concept of Avera Lishma. However, what's an Avera Lishma? Sounds very risky. What's an Avera Lishma? Yeah? Right, I'm, I'm doing an Avera for some greater good. Now, that's an extraordinarily dangerous game for a person to, to play, Avera Lishma. I'm going to do an Avera. I'm going to do a Avera L'Shem Shemayim. Right? So let me just, let, let's just, let's just talk out for a second something we find in the Nefesh Achaim. Okay? If you read the Nefesh Achaim cover to cover, if you learn the same for Nefesh Achaim cover to cover, right, you know that a lot of what Rav Chaim Velazhner is responding to or what's implied that he's responding to, as, as the great student of the Vilna Gon that he was, is that he's pushing back on the Hasidim. But he never really calls out the Hasidim so openly. He right? doesn't call out any of the tzaddikim of, you know, the world of the Baal Shem Tov by name. He doesn't, he doesn't really call out Hasidim. He's just, he implies that there's certain areas that, you know, he'd like to see different behaviors. Happens to be, Rav Chaim Velazhner's son, Rav Yitzhak Velazhner had a Strong, had a strong hiskashrus to um, a more, more openness to Hasidim and Hasidus. I think he had certain svarim in his home. So again, Rav Chaim Velazhner was, you know, as much as he was the student of the Vilna Gaon, who, who put the Hasidim in Cherem, you know, banned the Hasidim, right? wrote a letter against the Hasidim, but he was, he was very moderate in certain ways, and, and a lot of people talk about how it's not that different than the Tanya, the Nefesh Achayim, if you know how to read between the lines. You know. Okay, but there is one area that he's critical of the Hasidim openly. I don't remember, if, I don't think he calls the Hasidim out by name, I don't remember, but there's definitely one particular Nakuda that he calls them out on, and that is Man Tfila. And I haven't learned Nefesh Achayim in a long time. But if I remember correctly, I was when I when I went through it, I, I do remember that 
Zman Tfila was like an open critique of the Chassid. How do you daven pass? That's what we're learning. Tfila Sashachar Ad Chatzos. So he calls out the Hasidim openly for davening after his Mantio. So let's talk that out for a second. When the Hasidish Rebbe says, when the Hasidish Rebbe says, I have to do a lot of hachanas, and he's a serious Rebbe. He's not a guy who wakes up at 11 o'clock to go to 11 o'clock shachars. He's a Rebbe who gets up at 5 in the morning and goes to mikvah and says all of Tehillim and, and meditates on Kavanos, and then he starts his shachars at 10.30. So you'll say... You call that a mitzvah? It's an Avera. It's after Sovzma and Tvila. What are you doing? Right. So what's the Rebbe's response? What's the Rebbe's response? It's an Avera Lishma. It really is. It's an Avera Lishma. In other words, in the sense that what? He says, listen, I know for a fact, because I'm a tzaddik, I'm a shtikl bal ruach kodesh. I know, the Rebbe says, I know for a fact that when I make my hachanas and I daven my shachers, Right? And the option of a rebel who's like in a totally different planet is doing his things in his time zones. Yeah? Right? The option of a rebel knows what he's doing. He says, I know for a fact, I know for a fact, the Sadiq says, I know for a fact that when I start my shachris at one o'clock in the afternoon, I know for a fact that it, it, it accomplishes more in Shemayim and brings down better things for the Jewish people. What does Misnagid say back to that? He doesn't say he's wrong. He doesn't say you're a liar. He says you're a liar? No. This Rebbe's not a liar. The Rebbe says, I'm telling you, I can tell you factually that it has a better hashpa. What about the rest of the Hasidim there? What? What about the rest of the Hasidim there? Okay. Fine. <coughs> let's, just, let's just let's talk out this Rebbe. What? <laughs> you're still missing Zman, meaning? Say it differently. Right. You have, you have no issues to do that, right? I'm not saying you're a liar. I believe in you, Rabbi. You're a big tzaddik. I believe that you can bring down things, but you're 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 not. You have no permission, right, to to do that. You're not playing by the rules, right? You're not playing by the rules. If you don't if you don't play by the rules, then it doesn't then it doesn't work. That doesn't that doesn't go, right? What so? What's the rabbi's response to that? I'm willing to break the rules to bring good things down for the Jewish people. That's, that's sort of his response. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm playing it out. The Rebbe says, I don't care if it breaks the rules. I have no choice. If I can bring down better blessing upon Klal Yisrael, then I'm going to do it. Right? And the Misnagid says, you're in violation of halacha. You have no rishus to go poking around in that way. Ah, you'll tell me that the Avos who kept the Torah did some funny things. Says Rav Chaim before the Torah was given, the rules were much more open. So when Yaakov Avinu says, I'm marrying two sisters, and he has his calculation, even though it's against the Torah, Yaakov Avinu could do an Avera Lishma. Once we have a Shulchan Aruch, once we have a Torah, you can't do these Avera Lishma kind of stuff. You can't play these games. Okay? That's what you find in the Nefesh Achai. But it helps us to understand, Avera Lishma means, I really know that I'm doing something for the greater good. I, I, I know for a fact it's for the greater good. It's just a question if I have a right to do so. If anyone can do an Avera Lishma, Hashem can do an Avera Lishma. So check this out. Moshe Rabbeinu can't speak to Hashem in Mitzrayim, and yet Hashem reveals Himself in Mitzrayim. Hinei Amru Chazal, Chazal tell us in the Gemara in Nazir, Gidola Avera Lishma. Great is Avera Lishma. Don't try this at home, kids, but great is Avera Lishma. Yeah? There's such a thing as Avera Lishma. It's a holy thing. It's a halakha thing. 
When you do a mitzvah, what happens? And it's going to be a little different than what I just explained, but let's see. When you do a mitzvah, it awakens goodness in the world. Mitzvah brings positive hashpah to the world. What does an avera do? God forbid when we do an avera, it breaks the world. It causes evil or negativity in the world. So what happens when you do an Avera Lishma? It's a strange blend. On the one hand, it's an Avera. So that should awaken like negativity in the world. But it's Lishma. So it's like, it's, it's good negativity. What's good negativity? When a person does an Avera Lishma, look what he writes. Hine tisorah hadin. It awakens a Midas hadin, a judgment in the world. Aval hadin hu al sone Yisrael, vuhu latovas Yisrael. Because it's rooted in an Avera, it creates negativity, it creates judgment. But because it's Lishma, I can use it in a positive way. In other words, I can take that judgment that's been created, and I can throw it on the enemies of the Jewish people. I can redirect it towards the enemies of the Jewish people. So we know, we say every time we do a mitzvah, we say, Asher Kiddishanu Hashem sanctified us b'mitzvosav, with his mitzvos. What does it mean, his mitzvos? Ratzalomar mitzvos shalow. His mitzvos means his mitzvos. Shuhu ba'atzom ba'kayim osana mitzvos. Hashem himself keeps the mitzvos. That's what the Gemara says. The Talmud Yerushalmi says, Hashem practices what he preaches. Hashem keeps the mitzvos. You have an example right at the beginning of Brachos. Who remembers? Tefillin. We were tefillin, Hashem also wears tefillin. Yomar says, what's in our tefillin, what's in Hashem's tefillin? Hashem keeps the mitzvahs. So Hashem also can't do a veros. And yet, here it says that Hashem went to Mitzrayim, but I thought the Torah, I thought the halachas, you're not allowed to go to Mitzrayim. The Rambam who lived in Egypt used to sign his letters, I'm living in sin. I'm in violation of... Rambam says, I'm living in sin. You open up the Rambam, Hilchos Malachim, the Rambam writes about the prohibition of living in Egypt. You know what the Red Baz writes on the side of the page over there? <coughs> Rambam, you live in Egypt. So you know what we say to the Red Baz? <coughs> you do too. <laughs> the Red Baz was a... So Red Baz says, I also lived in Egypt. Cash on the Rambam, but I also lived in Egypt. He says, I was there because I built the yeshiva there. The Jews who lived there needed to have an education. And then he ends the piece. says, in the end, I went from Mitzrayim back to Yerushalayim. So the Red Baz ended his life in Yerushalayim. It's like a very beautiful piece. So how can Hashem go to Mitzrayim? Hashem goes to Mitzrayim. Hashem, you keep the Torah, I thought. Hashem kedeshanu b'mitzvah, sov. You keep your mitzvahs. So it says the Pasuk, Hashem says, I admit it. Like the Rambam between his letters, I admit that, you know, it's an Aver Lishma. For, I have to be in Mitzrayim for whatever reason. And there's different explanations why the Rambam had to be there. Right? But I'm living, yes, it's an Aver. It's not, it's not, it's not the worst Aver, it's Aver Lishma. Right? So what does the Pasuk say? Look at this great read in the Pasuk. What does the Pasuk say? Va'avarti Baritz Mitzrayim. It doesn't just mean that God passed through Mitzrayim. What does it mean? Hashem says, I did an Avera in Mitzrayim. Va'avarti Baritz Mitzrayim. I did an Avera. I'll admit it. Va'avarti Baritz Mitzrayim. Lo Amar Ve'ered. It didn't say I descended to Egypt. Often when God comes to the scene, it says, I, you know, God descended onto the scene. Descended on our Sinai. Came down to see what's happening with the Tower of Babel. Doesn't say I descended. It says I, I avarti. I'll admit it. Rakva avarti. I did an avera. Kiviyachal avera l'shma. But you should know Hashem says going to Egypt is an avera, but I did it l'shma. And if you do an avera l'shma, what does it create? It creates what? 
it creates a midas hadin that can be used in a way that what that helps the Jewish people. Hashem says, that's what I did. And through the Midas Haddin that was created, it should, it should uh, take place, it should descend onto the heads of the wicked. And I used my Avera Lashma, Hashem says, to make the final Maka, Makas Bukharos, right? the biggest blow, the biggest strike on the Egyptians. And on all the Elohei Mitzrayim, on the gods of Egypt, I, uh, I performed I performed judgment. So Hashem also could do it just like Hashem does mitzvahs. Hashem could also do averos. But Hashem obviously did an avera lishma. That's an avarti beret Mitzrayim. Hashem did what he had to do. We'll see another piece on this idea soon. But Hashem said, I did what I had to do in order to, in order to save the Jewish people. You got to do what you got to do sometimes. Yeah, not a simple thing for us to be playing around with. Playing, mamish playing with fire. Yeah. So an avera lishma creates a minisadim towards our enemies. Towards our enemies. That's right. That's right. It can because it's rooted in avera, so it creates something negative. But since it's lishma, we can use that that negative energy that minisadim in a positive way. So it'll be redirected towards instead scar. Exactly. Instead of positive schar, it's redirected as minisadim on the enemies of of Klaes. Okay. Look at the bottom left hand corner on page Chav Gimel. And Moshe and Aaron took like three pieces after, three, four pieces after. The end of the Pasuk is, And Moshe and Aaron performed all of these miracles before, before Paro. So as the Rebbe often points out, if there's a term that appears only once or twice or three times in all of Tanakh, you got to figure out what the link is between them. So he says... Nimsar b'misora train. In our misora, in our tradition, in the twenty-four books of Tanakh, we only find this expression of Umosha v'Aaron twice. Now, there's a lot of times where we have Moshe and Aaron. There's a lot of times we have Aaron and Moshe, but the only time we have these two words exactly as it's written here, Umosha v'Aaron, is two times. Once is our pasuk here, Umosha v'Aaron asu as kola right? Now, there's one other one. And our Rebbe says, look carefully, Chad Reish Pasuk, Vichad Sof Pasuk. Here we have a Pasuk that begins with the words, Umosha V'Aaron. The only other time we have Umosha V'Aaron is when it's the last two words in a Pasuk. Where's that? He says, Dain Reish Pasuk. This one is at the beginning of the Pasuk. V'idach, and the other one, is in Bamidbar. Vayikhu ish machtaso, each man took his pan offering. Vayam du pesach alamoed. This is by Korach's rebellion, and they stood at the entrance of the Mishkan. Umoshev Aaron, and Moshe and Aaron also were ready to ready the rumble. Right? The great showdown between Korach va'adaso, Korach and his chevra, versus Moshe and Aaron. And there, as each one is preparing his offering to see who Hashem will choose. Right, it says, U Moshe Ve'aro, in the last two words of the Pasuk. Says our Rebbe, a beautiful insight. Short and sweet. Says our Rebbe, when it comes, I'll say it outside, and then we'll read it inside. When it comes to saving the Jews, Moshe and Aaron are right out in front. When Moshe and Aaron have the opportunity to confront evil, to fight against the Paro, Moshe and Aaron lead the way. U Moshe the first two words of the Pasuk. U Moshe Ve'aro, Asu. As Kolamosma Elo Lefne Paro. 
let me say good on Klai Yisrael and say bad against their enemies. How many brave IDF soldiers are, are and, and heads of heads of groups are, are leading their soldiers out to war? That was the way of the Jewish kings. David Melech would lead the people out to war. Hiding out in Qatar or whatever, you know? Their leadership hiding out, sending other people to the front lines. You see, you see how a Jewish leader leads from the front. When it comes to confronting power, Moshe and Aaron are right out in front. But what about by Korach? Moshe and Aaron know what's going to happen there. What's going to happen there? I'm much on the verge of a civil war. Moshe and Aaron say, we're not running. We know we're going to win this showdown. We're not, we're not running to watch Korach and his men suffer. These are Jewish people. These are our fellow Jews, very misguided. And they're, gonna, they're about to get, they're about to get uh, put in their place by their monoshol. But Moshe and Aaron are uh, they're, they're delaying it in every way that they can because they, they know what's going to happen. They know they didn't usurp the power. They know Hashem assigned Moshe and Aaron to that authority. Says a Rebbe, says a Rebbe, Lamadu Kasa, top of page Chavdalid. Lamadu Kasa, we learn from here the righteousness. To come to save the Jews, to do miracles. They led the way. It means they put themselves into the thick of it. But if you remember what Rashi tells us, when Moshe and Aaron are on the way to power that first time, and the Zakanim are trailing behind, remember what Rashi says? At some point, Moshe looks over his shoulder and they're all gone. Right? They, they chickened out. One by one, they all dropped out. They were afraid. And they slipped away one by one. But Moshe and Aaron say, to fight for the Jewish people, we lead. Right out in front. But over there, the, other, the only other time you have the phrase, by Korach, where Moshe and Aaron understood that there was going to be a destruction, a kloya, a destruction, of their fellow Jews, misguided Jews. And they knew that they were going to be Onesh, there was going to be a punishment. Moshe and Aaron pulled back. They said, we don't, want to, we don't want to be up front for this. We don't want to be right out in front for this. Okay. He talks a little bit more about it in Parshas Korach. For the sake of time, we'll leave that for another time. But you should just know there's a, another piece where he says the same idea, it expands a little bit on it in Parshas Korach. All right, let's do one more in Parshas Bow. Let's go to page Chavtes. Something to Davinu, a little Geuladik. Then we'll just see one or two quick pieces in Parshas B'Shalach. Okay, on page Chavtes, Leil Shimurim Hu Lahashem, Lahotzi Am Le'eres Mitzrayim. Leil Shimurim Hu Lahashem, it gets pretty close, closer to the end. Can page chavtes, small piece. Leil shimurim hu laHashem, lahotzi ameres v'tzayim. Perik yud beis pasuk membeis. Perik yud beis pasuk membeis. Leil shimurim hu laHashem, lahotzi ameres v'tzayim. However, many chasidish svarim are very into the word shin memreish. What does shin memreish mean? To guard, to watch over, to protect. What else does shin memreish mean? And all the Svarim are busy with it whenever they can, they chop it. Where else do we know Shin Memresh? Va'aviv Shamar Esadavar. When Yaakov is informed of Yosef's dreams, and the brothers are like, You hear what these crazy dreams our brothers sang? And Yaakov's like, Yeah, that's really, wow, that's really out of, out of bounds, that's inappropriate. 
And then the Torah tells us, wink, wink, va'aviv shamar esadavar. What does Rashi say over there by Yosef's dreams? Yaakov was shamar, he guarded the matter. What does it mean? What do you think of it? Say yes. He kept it a secret and what? He believed it, right? Shamar means he anticipated it. He looked forward to it coming true. Yaakov kept the secret, he guarded it, and he knew that Yosef was speaking the Emes. When Yosef was talking about his, his dreams of what's going to happen in the future, Yaakov with his Ruach HaKodesh, Shamar Sadavar, he sensed, he anticipated that it would come true. So that's why many Hasidic Shasvarim say that what does it mean to be Shomer Shabbos? It doesn't mean just to guard Shabbos, not to violate Shabbos, not to cook on Shabbos, or to do Borer on Shabbos. To be Shomer Shabbos is what you do on a Tuesday morning. Right now we're being Shomer Shabbos. What does that mean? Anticipating. We can't wait for Shabbos. Counting down the days till Shabbos. Hayom Yom, Shlishi B'Shabbos. Hayom Yom, Revi B'Shabbos. Hayom Yom, Chamishi B'Shabbos. Our whole week is centered around Shabbos. To be Shomer something means to anticipate it. So, Chavar, look at our Pasuk. It's a Pasuk that describes Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. The Seder night, we call it what? Lel Shimurim. What does it mean that the Seder night is a Lel Shimurim? So listen to this. Lel Shimurim hula Hashem lahotzi ameyar Mitzrayim. Shaya shamur me'oz lifnei Hashem yisbarach kodem Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Haya shomer uvitsape kivayachol masai tavo halayla hazos shel geulas mitzrayim. What does it mean this was a leil shimurim, a guarded night, or saying it differently, an anticipated night? However, we have to know that Hashem knows exactly what He's doing. From the beginning of time, Hashem knew that there's going to be a gulas mitzrayim. And from the beginning of time, Hashem knew there's going to be what? A geulas mitzrayim. And Hashem was looking forward to this day, to this moment. Hashem says, listen, there's a process. We can't just get straight to Harsina. It's going to be a, it's a, it's a long, windy road. But you should know, Leil Shimur, I've been looking forward to this night for so long. Look at the words again. It was guarded before Hashem himself. It was anticipated before there was a Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Hayashomer, he guarded... Umitzape. Mitzape means he anticipated. He looked forward to it. He was longing for it. Kibiyachal, Hashem was, right, so to speak, Kibiyachal means so to speak, so to speak, Hashem couldn't wait. Masai Tavo Halaylazos. When will that night finally come? You think we want Mashiach? Hashem, well, however much in our, in our most desperate moments we, we wish, we, we beg for Mashiach, Hashem wants it a million times more. Hashem knows when it's coming. Hashem cannot wait. So this night that Hashem was waiting for, continues the Pasuk, Hu halayla v'chulu, shimurim l'chol b'nei Yisrael, l'dorosam. So too, this night is what? Is shimurim, literally guarded, protected, le'el shimurim, the Pesach night, the Seder night. But also this night is anticipated by B'nai Yisrael, Lidoro Sam for all generations, meaning what? Says our Rebbe, L'gu'ula Hasida. With the same way that a Jew, right, once they started to see the Makos unfolding, they really felt it's happening, and they wanted it, and Hashem and Shemayim, Kivyachal, wanted it, and was anticipating it, getting ready for it. So too, right now, we're sitting in 2,000 years of Gullus, and the world is burning. The world's in a crazy place right now. And that should awaken, that should awaken within us what a sense of what 
not just guarding the idea of Mashiach, hanging on to the idea, anticipating it. That till this day, just like then, right? What they were experiencing then, we're experiencing now. Hashem and any Jew who's awake right now is Shomer Umitsapa Masaya When are we getting out of this mess once and for all? Do we believe it? That it once again should be an illuminated night. A night that shines like the day, Bimhera, Biameno Amen, says our Rebbe. It's a powerful tefillah. Leil Shimurim for them, and Leil Shimurim Lidorosam for all generations. Realize that it's for us as well. And we have to want it. We have to want it with the same excitement and anticipation that Hashem wants it. Hashem, Hashem can't wait. It's like a big disappointment, you know? Imagine someone who you're like really close with, someone you really love, is really excited about something, you're like, yeah, I don't really care. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter to me. Doesn't mean so much to me. If Hashem's excited about it, we have to get excited about it also. We have to, we have to want it. Yeah. Right, that's the advantage Hashem has, or also the disadvantage Hashem has. Right? There's, no, there's no fun of the surprise. Right. For us, we have to believe any day, right now. We want Mashiach now. We don't want to wait. Right. What if today is the day? I can tell you right now, if Mashiach came today, I would feel that I wasn't I I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't I, I wasn't emotionally prepared. I took Hisar on me. I want I should get myself ready. Right. The challenge of course is like every day getting you know geared up to maybe today's the day. It's hard to live like that. Right? There's a natural burnout from from longing, from anticipating, from the disappointment of not getting what you were waiting for. But that's what we gotta hope for. That's what we gotta that's what we gotta long for. Okay, let's turn to this expression. Yeah, no. Is it possible to, like, we talked about last semester about the difference between Lila and Yom and, like, the darkness? Is it possible you could say this is hinting to that the Gula is going to happen, like, at night? Like, like, Dafka at night? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, again, the, the experience of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is described as Lila Kayom Yair, right? A night that was illuminated like day. Again, that's part of the foreshadowing of Makas Choshech, or Again, when you're in the presence of Hashem, you're in the light. So, Gullus is called darkness. I think next year we're learning Bab Mitzi and Wayo. Bab Mitzi, it says that Gullus, this world is compared to Lila. This whole, right now, right? Right now we're sitting in the dark. What do you mean? The lights are great in here. No, we're sitting in the dark right now. Gullus is darkness. Mashiach is light. Connection to Hashem is light. We're sitting in the light because we're learning Torah, so. But the world is a dark place, even in its brightest moments. The world, a, a world without a base of mikdash, a world without hashras hashchina, a world without prophets, a world without a coin gadol on yom kippur. However, we're living in the dark, mamish, broken, a broken world. All right, we have to that. That should help us want it. Okay. All right. Very quickly, let's turn to Parshas B'Shalach. Let's see two short pieces, and then we'll we'll call it a morning for now. Okay. Page Lamid Vav. Parshas B'Shalach, it's about five, six pieces in. It's the piece that begins, Vayomer Moshe is Yatzavu Uru'u as Yeshua Hashem. There's a few parts to this piece. I want to see the, I want to see the middle paragraph, V'yirtza Od, on page Lamed Vav. Uh-huh. There you go. V'yirtza Od, which goes to the other side of the paragraph. 
Okay, first chaver, just look at the let's look at the pasuk that it's on. Yud dalid yud gimel for Bobo. Yud dalid yud gimel. Okay, look at the pasuk in the right hand column. Vayomer Moshe hisyatzuvu uru as Yeshua Hashem. Okay, now finally this week's parsha we come to Kriyas Yamsuf. Right? The Jewish people are all anxious. Everyone's nervous. Moshe Rabbeinu says, "Relax, chaver. Hisyatzuvu uru as Yeshua Hashem." I want you to stand by. Hisyatzuvu, right? Hisyatzuvu. Stand, and you will see the salvation of Hashem. Asher yaseh lachem hayom. What Hashem is going to do for you today. Ki asher reisem v'chulu. Because as you see, the end of the Pasuk is, as Mitzrayim, as you see the Egyptians, one last time, hayom, lo sosifu osam od ad olam. This is it. Take one last glimpse, because you're never going to see these people again. Watch as Hashem is about to save you. Okay, but I want to read the paragraph in the left-hand column, Ode, just this middle paragraph. What's Moshe saying? What's the explanation? Nisinas Tam is the explanation. Let's, let's just think about this. Moshe's, Moshe's words make sense. Stand by, watch the salvation of Hashem. Because you're never going to see the Egyptians again. Well, why is that the because? Key. Well, why is that the because? Two separate points, right? Hashem is, Hashem is going to save you, so don't be nervous. By the way, you're also not going to see the Egyptians ever again. But it almost sounds like because Hashem is saving you, you'll never see the Egyptians again. What is that? So our Rebbe says something very, very powerful. Look what he writes. It's based on a Zohar. The Amru B'Zohar. The Zohar says in the Pasuk, Rifaini Hashem ve'erafein. Which is, of course, what we paraphrase in Tarshmon Essay, right? We just we just pluralize it. Rifainu Hashem Heal me, Hashem, and I will be healed. Have listen to this. It's a big chizik for anyone who's going through an illness. It's a very powerful czar. Deratzalomar, kishetirafeini ata Hashem baatzmecha. Hashem, there's a lot of ways a person can be healed. There are doctors who are trying to help me to be healthy. And maybe you'll send your malachim from Shemayim to try to heal me. But Hashem, I don't want any of that. I mean, I want that also. But what I really want, I want real healing. You know what real healing is? Real healing is healing from Hashem Himself. Hashem, when you yourself heal me, then I'm healed forever. Anything Hashem touches is permanent. Nitzchi. It becomes like Hashem Himself, who's forever. Now look at these words. If Hashem sends a malach to heal you, there's no guarantee that the refua is going to be tamid forever. It's going to last. Why? He says it in a very interesting way. It's very. It's a little sad, actually. Because what is a malach? What is a malach? Malach's a messenger. Right? A malach is a shliach. Sometimes malach doesn't only mean angel, malach actually means messenger, shliach. What does a malach want? A malach wants to be sent on a lot of missions. It's his greatest joy. When it gets selected, it gets sent into the game. When Hashem pulls a malach off, malach off the bench and says, get in there, right? the malach loves nothing more than that. So think about it. If the malach comes and he heals you forever, so then that game's over. Right, he's out of a job. 
So in some, a little bit, it's sad. In a little bit of a sad way, the Malach almost wants you to get sick again. So what? So you can get another, get another game. Get another chance. Right? Get to do another act of shlichus on behalf of Hashem. Ki HaMalach, the desire of the Malach. Ki HaMalach, right? That next word means like the taiva. Ma'avyon. The, the, the taiva, the desire of the malach, lasos ritzon kono b'chol eis. He wants to do his creator's will at all times. V'im kein, and if that's so, chukaso sheshuv yachzor hachola lecholyo. The malach in some way desires that the chola will once again return to his illness. B'chadei, so that, shiyalo od shlichis mikoneyo. So that he can get another message to be sent to heal the guy again. And however, we're talking about physical healing, we're talking about spiritual healing. When a person davens and says, I don't just want, right? I don't want my parnasa to come from my boss. I want my parnasa to come from you, Hashem. I want to be able to feel that it comes from you, because it does come from you. Right? I want my healing to come from you. I want my wisdom not just to come from my chavrusa, from my rebbe. Right? I want to feel that you're putting it in my brain, Hashem, because that gives it greater permanence, greater kiyom. So therefore, when Hashem heals you Himself, that's healing that doesn't get undone. That's masmedes laad. It's tabid. It's forever and ever. So Moshe says to Bnei Yisrael, I know you're, I know you're nervous. You're, you're scared that what? That you're going to end up back in Mitzrayim again. So Moshe says to Bnei Yisrael, Hisyatzavu uru'u as Yeshuas Hashem. Right now, you're about to be saved by Hashem. Mitzrayim is going to be so done, right, that Hashem is actually going to make a prohibition, like we spoke about earlier, that a Jew is not allowed to go back to Mitzrayim. Because Hashem will never send you back to Mitzrayim. You could choose to go back to Mitzrayim, God forbid. But as far as Hashem is concerned, Mitzrayim is done. That Gullus is done forever. Moshe says, watch the salvation of Hashem. Asher yaselachem, what He's about to do for you. Ba'atzmo, lo yidei ma'alach, v'lo yidei shliach. Not through a messenger, Hashem Himself. Right? When we cross through the Yamsuf, what does it say? Zekeli van Veyu. Rashi says they're this week's partial, they're pointing to Hashem. Kiviyachl. It's as close as they've ever been to Hashem. Umehechan teida shuhu me Hashem Yisbarach ba'atzmo. And Moshe says, and you know how I know that it's directly from Hashem? I'll prove it to you. Ki asher ra'isem es Mitzrayim hayom, lo sosifu ler osam, you'll never see them again. Because when Hashem heals you, it's perfect. There's no going back to Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is done after this. Understand this well. We can choose how we see our salvation. Do I feel like I'm getting it from a human messenger, which is not a bad thing? Or do I try to recognize that it comes really directly from Hashem? What are the advantages in my life when I recognize that it's from Hashem? Okay, and last but not least, the piece that I've been waiting the most Shomer, anticipation. Look at this last piece. This is such a Gishmak piece. Hashem Ish Milchama, Hashem Shema. On page Mem. Hashem Ish Milchama, Hashem Shema. However, we know this one well from Az Yashir. This is great. This will make you feel like a billion dollars. It should, at least. Hashem Ish Milchama, Hashem Shema. This is such a tefillah. Davin, Davin over this one. It's so gewaltic. Hashem Ish Milchama, Hashem Shema. In the right hand column on page Mem. Shamati mikvod mechutani harav achasid amakubal amaforsim. I heard from my mechutin, the heilig achasid, the great mekubal, 
the well-known tzaddik, Rav Tzvi Hirsch Shlita, Rav Tzvi Hirsch of Zidichov, Rav Hershela Zidichover, as he was known. I heard from Rav Tzvi Hirsch Shlita. Ha-peirish hukach. Here's Pshad in the Pasuk. Ready for this? Here's how my Mechutin told me how to read the Pasuk. Hashem Yishmochama. God is a master of war. To translate it as a, as a man of war is not a great translation. Ish means like a person who's dominant. Hashem is a master of war. Ish means like a gavarapa. Hashem is a master of war. Hainu lochem b'molchamos imamakatrigim al Yisrael. Hashem will always go to battle for a Jew. If the Sahara says, this Jew, I can tell you about all of his averos. Hashem says, I'm gonna, and I'm going to tell you about all of his mitzvahs. They'll fight it out. Hashem will always fight for a yid against any kitruk, against anything. When the UN slanders the Jewish people, Hashem and Shemayim is screaming. Hashem says, I'm going to war for Klal Yisrael. I will fight. I will defend. I will be the greatest defense attorney. In any merit that the Jewish people have, Hashem says, I'll, I'll bring it to the table. Kitrug means uh, uh, like opposition. A kateger means uh, an accuser. Any accusations. Hashem fights against all accusations against the Jewish people. Umaz kirz And Hashem like, loves to talk, uh, but look at all the good things they do, right? Have you know what the Kitrug was by the Yamsuf? What was the Kitrug by the Yamsuf? The Medrash says in Shemayim, it was opposition. What did they say about the Jews? And we're standing there at the Yamsuf, getting ready to cross. Why are they worthy? Halalu of Devorazara. The Halalu of Devorazara. These Jews worship idols just like their Egyptian counterparts. Why are you saving the Jews? So Hashem says, I'll go to battle. Hashem, you know, Hashem puts on his suit and tie, gets his briefcase, he'll go to court for us. Hashem says, I will, I will defend the Jewish people, right? I will battle in the court of public opinion <clears throat> on behalf of Klai Yisrael. And Hashem silences mashtik, shtika. Hashem silences the accusations. But then, he proves. What are you talking about? I can show you. Right? Let's look at the ledger. Let's look at the mitzvahs and the averas. I'll show you the Jews are the Jews are good. And he shows all of the opposition, all of the all of the accusers. Shasuras hadin hu lahetiv im Yisrael. That midas hadin. I can I can justify the Jews. I can prove their innocence. Right? They're not perfect, but if we, if we like, you know, if we open up the books and we measure it out, Hashem says, "I'll do anything I can to try to find another merit to try to defend the Jewish people." But kasher chas v'shalom ein makom lidchos tainas hamakatreg. But however, what happens when the Yitzhar is really right? What happens when midas adin is right? What happens when we're just as bad? We're just as bad as the Egyptians. What happens when we don't? Hashem can't dig up another merit. You know, like the Hasidic tale, and they brought like a, the last bag of schuyos, and they put it on the scale, and it tipped the scales. What happens when Hashem Kivyachol can't find another mitzvah because we don't have another mitzvah? When Hashem Ish Milchama, who's willing to fight in every way to try to make a case for us, what happens when Hashem gets stuck because we don't have enough merits to bring to the table? It says the pasuk, like, Hashem Ish Milchama. What are the next two words? Hashem Shemo. Hashem Shemo. What's Pshat Hashem Shemo? Hine Hashem Shemo. So you know what Hashem says? So when the Yitzhahara says, Ha, I got you. Right? When, when, when the votes are in, and the Jewish people lost the court case, what does Hashem do? Hashem says, I'm Hashem. Overruled. 
Well, I thought there's rules. Yeah, there's rules until I love Klal Yisrael to the point where there are no rules. Hashem Shemo. Ratzolomar Hinei Hashem Yisbarach Amar Hashem Shmi. You know what my name Hashem means? Yudke Vavkei. Haya Hove Viya. I was, I am, I'll forever be. I can do whatever I want. Case dismissed. What? I thought, that's not fair. You're cheating. Hashem says, yeah, I am cheating. For Klal Yisrael, I'm cheating. Yeah. That's it. It's my world. I can do whatever I want. Hashem Shemo, I can do what I want. Ratzolomar Hinei Hashem Yisbarach Omer. Hashem Shmi Sha'ani Mahava Kol Havayos. I created whatever I want. And I made the world that it should be good for Jews. So when they don't deserve it, I'm still giving it to them. Hashem Shemo. Interesting. The word Shemo is Gematria Ratzon. This is my desire. This is what I want. This is my, it's my world. I made the world. I can do what I want. Who has the right to, who has the right to push back against me? I can do whatever I want. So says our Rebbe, these words are very fitting for the one who said them. I guess maybe his uh, Mechutin was a big defender of the Jewish people. I don't know. He's a big tzaddik. And the words of our sages support it. Because the Medrash tells us, There was great opposition at the sea. Right? The Jews are no better than the Egyptians. They also do a lot of Averos. We're on the 49th level of Tumat Mitzrayim. Who says to the to the ministering angel of Egypt, "Get out of my way! I am God, Hashem Shemo. Get out of my way." Hashem says, "I'm Hashem. I do what I want. And if it means saving Klai Yisrael, even if they don't deserve it, that's my choice, and I'm going to do." It. That's a strong. That's a strong talk. That, that, that's remember that's us. It's not just those Jews back then. It's us. On your worst day, remember, Hashem chose me. In my lowest moment, I still wake up in the morning and I still say, what? Baruch Hashem, Lukeinu Melech Olam, Shalom Hasani Gai. Maybe I'd be, maybe, I, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not worthy of being, no, Hashem says I still chose you. Hashem Shemo, it's my Ratzon, and I'm going to do what I want. That's an incredible, that's an incredible defense of the Jewish people. All right, we'll stop here for uh, for now. Subscribe. Good times. Absolutely.